uh, they came in. He wasn't saved. And uh, we ministered to him, and uh, my wife gave, him, gave them a word. Because the issues was nothing. He just needed Jesus. And my wife told him, why don't you just go home and make it better? That's all Brett needed to hear. And uh, he said, I believe I'm in the right place at the right time. Hallelujah. Let's welcome evangelist Brett Tessitore. Well, good morning, everyone. Morning, morning, morning. Let me get situated real quick here. There we go. Yeah, that was a uh, that was a rough spat for my life. That was a pre pretty rough years for both of us. But I I'll share something real quick uh, with that whole story. You know, um, me and my wife were separated because I was living like hell. She was serving the Lord, and she didn't know what to do. And, you know, I grew up loving parents. I knew what love was, uh, 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 human love. And my mom died in 1998. And when she died, I had a pure hatred for God. She died of cancer. So if I had any belief in God, I had a pure hatred for him. So I didn't want no nothing to do with God. And my wife convinced me, she's like, we're either going to go see my pastors or we're going to get a divorce. I said, okay, we'll go. I had no idea that I was going to get what I wanted to hear. And, you know, Sister Dawn said, you love him? Yes. You love her? Yes. Go home. I was like, praise God. I win. <laughs> but the, the next event that took place, and I'll never forget this because it impacted me till this day, and it still does. That pastor called said, let's pray. And i never forget it. He grabbed me and hugged me, and it was the first time I, I felt the love of God. It's the first time that I felt a love of that magnitude that didn't come from human beings. And it forever altered me, and I thank you for that. Because I've never forgotten that. I've never forgotten that moment. I haven't forgotten that moment. And it wasn't much longer that I went to church there, and, and I always told my wife, I said, that church is a cult. They're crazy, and all they want is your money. And I walked in church, and this was, the, uh, it was like, we just did an hour of worship. I was used to an hour whole service. And we did an hour of worship. I was like, man, what, what is going on here? This is kind of long. And Pastor Carl gets up there, and he says this. I'll never forget these words. He said, I'm going to preach on a topic that I only preach on about once every two to three years. I'm going to preach on tithing. And my wife looked at me. She said, he ain't never coming back. Because <laughs> I thought all they wanted was your money. But really... All they want is your heart. And when God gets hold of you, you get this. Amen? Amen. Well, I thank you, Pastor Carl and Sister Dawn, for allowing me to come. It's a privilege and an honor. I thank you. And I love y'all. Praying for y'all. Amen? Amen. Well, before I get into this word, I got um, to do something. So, so during worship, the Lord showed me a picture of you. Very vivid. Um, you were sitting down at a desk. I don't even know if you have a desk, but you were sitting at a desk. And the Lord said that he's going to teach you to write a song. But it's going to be something very, very specific. Um, 
maybe it's already something he's been stirring in you. I mean, you've been kind of rejecting it. You've been kind of saying, I don't know if this is me. I don't know if I can even do this. The Lord's trying to tell you that he's giving you something to write for this hour. And as I was praying about it, the Lord brought me back to, to Miriam when, when Israel came out of Egypt and they begin to sing the song. And the Lord says, there's going to be songs that are going to come from, that's going to birth a move. So don't worry about it if it doesn't sound right, if it doesn't even, it, you don't even, you feel uncomfortable writing it down to the pad. The Lord says he's going to use it because it's not your words that you're going to be writing down. It's going to be his words that he's going to use you to sing. So just be ready. I would say get a notepad if you don't have one and keep it close. Because the Lord used to do this, and he does it at times, but he would do it at, at very um, strange hours. Like when I'm trying to sleep and because I'm tired and he'd be like, okay, this is what I want you to do. But if you're not ready, you're going to miss it. So always be ready and prepared for what the Lord wants to birth in you. Okay? Amen. Lord, I thank you for the word. I thank you for the Holy Spirit. Lord, I ask that you would strengthen us through this word. Holy Spirit, I don't want this to be any of me. I want it to be all of you. And I surrender my heart. I welcome you that you would just use me to deliver what you want to say this morning. Let our lives be changed. Let, let our lives be changed. Let our hearts be ready to receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. What time is it? 11.03. Amen. We don't worry about time here. Amen. All right. Well, I could talk slow. I was up by Frank Hornsby, Brother Franco, and he told me one time, he said, Brother, don't go over 33 minutes. I said, okay. <laughs> I said, I'll get it in in 33 minutes. Amen. So turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 10, verse 38. Luke chapter 10, verse 38. So this morning, we're going to talk about discerning distractions. Discerning distractions. How many of you know the enemy just wants to distract you in your walk? How many of you know that the enemy wants to knock you off of your feet of what you're trying to do for God? But we're going to look at this first passage. i got two passages we're going to cover. We're going to look at this first passage, and I want you to understand some. Distractions come in many different forms, phases, things in your life that can happen that can hinder you from doing and accomplishing what God is wanting you to accomplish. So let's read this story. We're going to read uh, Luke chapter 10, verse 38 through 42. Now it happened... As they, went and, as they went, he entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. I want you to underline that, mark it, because that is the most important thing of this whole passage. And she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was what? Distracted. Martha was distracted. See, in culture, you know, when you invite somebody to your house, it is, um, it is good to, to wait on them and serve them, right? You have to understand something, what's going on in this passage, that the distraction of what you're supposed to be doing can rob you of what God's trying to do at that moment. See, we, she invited, Martha invited Jesus into, into the house, and rightfully so, she was supposed to be doing some things around the house, but there's something that needed to take place that was more important at that moment, and it wasn't serving the people. See, we want to we serve people, but we don't want to sit at the feet. We want to do things for the Lord, 
but we fail to be intimate with the one who is actually calling us to do those things. See, we can, we can do all these things and completely miss the most important, the most valuable thing in your walk, and it is sitting at the feet of Jesus. And when he sits at, when she was sitting at the feet of Jesus, it says that she was doing something else. But Martha, well, let's go to verse 39 again. And she said, his sister called Mary, who, was, who also sat at Jesus' feet, and did what? Heard what Jesus had to say. In your walk with God, have you ever come to a place and you feel like you're doing what God is asking you to do, but it just doesn't seem to be working out? Have you heard what Jesus is asking you to do precisely at that time and at that moment? Because you may be doing things in your own will, your own way, in your own, in your own might. When Jesus is saying, hey, if you would have sat at my feet, this morning, if you would have not, never been distracted with a bunch of other things going on in the household, you would have heard what I wanted you to do at that moment. See, distractions can come in all kinds of ways. It can come even in doing good things. You can be distracted from hearing what Jesus is trying to say. See, she was the cause. Thank you, Jesus. We got to stop blaming everybody else for our distractions when it's caused by what we fail to do. See, she began, let me read this, hold on. Verse 40 says, but Martha was distracted with much serving and she approached him. She approached Jesus and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve all alone? Jesus says, I hate a tattletale. Therefore, tell her to help me. Therefore, tell her to come help me. But Jesus is saying, no, she's helping herself right now. She's getting what is needed at this moment. You're busy doing all this other things, and you're being distracted. But look what Jesus told her. He said, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. Rightfully so. There was a time that this needed to be done, but this wasn't the moment. Verse 42, but one thing is needed. And look what it says. Mary has what? Chosen the good thing. Mary has chosen that good thing. I can't make you sit at the feet of Jesus. You have to choose to overcome the distractions of the world, to overcome your own fleshly desires and the things that you think that you need to do. You have to get before the feet of Jesus and choose that good thing. We can't do it for him. Martha was so focused on everything that was going around, do you understand who she invited into the house? This isn't no ordinary man. This isn't just a, this isn't just a, a, a high official. We are talking about the Lamb of God. 
Jesus Christ, the one who is going to take away the sins of the world, the one who is willingly going to go to the cross, the one who can do all things, and through him all things were made. This is who you're inviting into your house. If you invited Jesus into your house, if you invited him into your house, why do you neglect serving him at his feet and worrying about everything else going on around you? See, this is what happened. We ex- Jesus, I need you. Jesus says, okay, I'm here. And then you're over here doing this and doing this. And Jesus is over here waiting, waiting for, for Martha to figure out that there was something more important in our house than to be sir, doing all this other stuff. This, oh, Lord, thank you, Jesus. See? We invite people in our house, and you know what happened? Thank you, Lord. This is going to bite y'all. <laughs> See, y'all invite, y'all invite somebody into your house, and when they get there, then you begin to clean it. You're distracted by what you got out. You get messed up by what you left around. The hidden sin that you've been hiding in secret now is exposed because you forgot to close the computer. And all of a sudden, Jesus comes in. You, oh, let me go fix this now. But if you would have sat here at his feet like this, Jesus would have took care of it with you. This is good, man. See, but we, come, we become distracted by those things because we don't discern that as a bad thing. We think it's a good thing because we're doing something for the people that's around us. I'm not saying we don't need to do things like that. But if we're not sitting at the feet of Jesus first, everything else is null and void. Everything, what are you trying to build, your ministry or his? What are you trying to build, his name or yours? See, Jesus is there, and she's sitting, and Mary's like, listen, I know you're over there doing that, but there's something more important here, and I'm not distracted by this stuff. I cleaned my room before he came. I did this before he came, but now I need to get here. This is more important. This is more important. Verse 42, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. See, the enemy will come in and try to distract you from the good thing. But Jesus says, if you stay at his feet and you hold on long enough, the enemy will try to come in and distract you. But if you stay there, it will not be taken away from you. Stop giving it back to him. Stop giving him legal reasons why he's distracting you. Stop, take, stop giving him a foot. Stop giving him an open door. Close that door right now in the name of Jesus and stay at his feet. Now we're gonna switch. We're gonna switch over to something here because this is my, this is one of my favorite passages to, to preach in the past couple months. Because I found something in this passage that they used to do that is fascinating to me. Hebrews chapter twelve, verses one and two. We're gonna read it in two different versions here. Hey, did y'all get the amplified? All right. Where's my phone? We got it. Thank God for technology when it works. Amen. 
Let me get whoop. Let me get here. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great cloud of witnesses who by faith have testified to the truth of God's absolute faithfulness, faithfulness, stripping off every unnecessary weight in the sin which so easily and cleverly, cleverly entangles us. Let us run with endurance and active persistence the race that is set before us. Okay, I'm going to stop right there. Because I began to study this passage, and I read a book by David Ravenhill. Do you all know who Leonard Ravenhill is? Anybody know who Leonard Ravenhill is? So I read a book by David Ravenhill. It's called Surviving the Anointing. It was a great, it's a great book. But he talked about this passage. And, I began, and he said something, in it and I began to study it because I wanted to know if it was true. L listen, let me tell you something. When you read something or you hear something, you better go study, your, study it to find out if it's true or not. Because there's a lot of things that are being said that is incorrect. So I began to study this passage. So we're going to break it down here, okay? Let me flip over to it. Therefore, we also sense a surrounded by so a great cloud of witness. It says, lay aside every weight. Lay aside, stripping off of, of every unnecessary weight. So, how many of y'all want to know what that weight is? Or what was the writer talking about here? In historical times, years ago, thousands of years ago, what would happen would be they would have a race, okay, just like the Olympics. Now, say we got, we got Metairie out here, we got Kenner over there, New Orleans over here, you know, all the parishes, you know, tech, everybody else got it wrong. We only got parishes here. Everybody else got counties. It's weird. But all these parishes come together, they wanna, they, we're going to have a race. So they all send their runner to go run the race. Now I want you to understand something. If you accepted Jesus Christ, you're in this race. You're part of this race. We are sending you, God is sending you out to this race. And he wants you to win. But there's an enemy that says he doesn't want you to succeed. So what they would do is they would take these runners and go to this race, and then all the people who sent all the towns and cities and nations would send people there to distract them on the race course. Let us throw off, ever throw off every weight. This is what they would do. This is so fascinating. They would set up people along the race course that would actually take gold and throw it in the street. Gold that was big enough that it would be counted as a year's wages. And this is what would happen. You're running along this race and all of a sudden you see a nugget of gold come out. What do you do? Eventually, if you're not, if you're, thank you Jesus, if you're weak in flesh, you're going to stoop down and pick up this gold. Then you're going to begin to carry it. The problem is you're not going to be satisfied with that one piece of gold. Because if you can pick up one year's salary, why not pick up two, three, four, five, six? Why can't I pick up a lifetime's worth of salary? And what begins to happen is you begin to carry all this weight. 
And as you're carrying this weight, guess what is getting slower? Guess what is getting harder? Guess what begins to hurt more? Because eventually what will happen is if you pick up enough, you're eventually going to do what? Quit. What's the use of finishing the race when you already got your prize here? Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal, and it only comes through Christ Jesus. The, the prize at the end of the race is Christ. It's the eternal salvation through him. But we get caught up in all the junk and distraction in the meantime because the enemy just wants you to quit. So you begin to pick up this weight. I want to ask you this question. How many of y'all would like a million bucks? Nobody raise their hand. <laughs> but this is the thing. I look, you know, I read it. I was like, how much does a million dollars weigh? In gold, it's about 40 pounds. How would you like to run a race for the rest of your life with 40 pounds? And this is what happens. So they would begin to throw these, throw this gold out there and throw this gold out there so that they can be distracted by what the race was supposed to be, by what they're, how they, let me get here. Let's get to the next one because then we, I'm going to tie, tie all this together and I'm going to show you how to overcome this stuff. And this sin which so easily ensnares us. The second thing, this is true, go look it up. The second thing that they would line on the race course was prostitutes. Prostitutes. Why? They were line up prostitutes on the race course. So now you're running down this trail. They're throwing gold at you. Now they got, if it's, I guess if it's guys, it's women. If it's women, it's guys. And they're running this race, and it says this, so this sin that so easily ensnares us, they would roll out, they would have these prostitutes lined up on the raceway. Why are they, why, why is it so, why, what are they trying to do? Why are they trying to distract you? Because in a race, it only takes one second to lose. One second. If you're watching the Olympics, if you watch the Olympics, you know, the sprinting, the 100, the 100 meter dash, they will lose by a millisecond or a tenth of a second. That's how easily you can be distracted on your walk with Christ, the race that you're supposed to be running with perseverance and endurance. And so they would line these people up. Why is that so critical to the human race? Now, I'm going to say this. This isn't my quote. This is a quote from Damon Thompson. He says, he said this. He said, you want to see a church get uncomfortable? He said, talk about money. He said, you want to see a church really get uncomfortable? He said, talk about sex and service. He said, you want to rile them up? He said, you talk about sex and money in the same service. And this was the next statement that caught me and it, and, it, and it changed me. He said, two things that human beings desire the most, man or woman, when it's talked about in church, it's frowned upon. Because everybody in this place more than likely has learned through either one of those things through some unholy manner. 
But the enemy is still trying to use it today. It comes in other forms and fashions. See, as you're running your race, as you're running with Christ right now, the enemy is continuously throwing things in front of you that he will distract you as you run, that you would just slow down just a minute and pick it up and lose focus on where Jesus is leading you to. It comes in forms of marriages. It comes in forms of alcohol and drug addictions. It comes in forms of pornography. It comes, ladies, I'm about to hit you. It comes in form of shopping. It comes in form of hunting and sports and all these other things that the enemy will throw inside in front of you and distract you. And because you're not seeing it and discerning it as a distraction, you pick it up and you're like, this isn't that bad. Listen, taking your kids and doing stuff is not bad. But if you haven't sat at the feet of Jesus like Mary did, guess what? You're missing something right now. And the the longer that you continue to do, the slower you're going to be. And eventually you're going to get tired and wear out and quit. See, the enemy is still doing the same things. It just comes in different forms. This thing here, distraction. Your wife or your husband can be a distraction. Your children can be a a distraction. Your work can be a distraction. All those things are needed. And yes, I'm I'm not saying do not do those things. I'm saying what is important first. When was the last time that you got up before your wife or your husband or your children and sought the Lord? Because if you don't do it before they get up, guess what happens when they do get up? Distractions. Jesus is trying to tell us, hey, watch for the distractions because they come in all different signs and forms and fashions. And if you're not cautious, if you're not using discernment of the Holy Spirit, you're going to miss and you're going to get tangled up. And that's why it says don't get tangled up. Throw off the sin that so easily ensnares us. 1 John chapter 2 says this, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world or the love of the Father is not in him. Look what it says next. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Everything that I just described to you falls under these things right here. It's your lustful desires. It's your fleshly desires. And we want to know why we're not seeing moves of God right now. We want to know why that God's not responding in your life like like you need him to because you've been operating in one of these three. You've been distracted by the enemy and you haven't sat at the feet of Jesus long enough to hold on to him. See, the enemy wants to stop you because he wants to do what to you? He wants to destroy you. But what else does he want to do you? He wants to rob you. And he wants to, he wants to steal, kill, and what? Destroy. See, when he kills you, thank you, Jesus. When he kills you, he just kills you. But what he's really after is what you're going to leave behind. The seed. Because if you quit before the finish line, what did you miss from here to there? What if your greatest moment, oh, thank you, God. What if your greatest moment was not here, but it was over there, but you failed because you stopped here because you got so distracted and you missed Jesus leading you over here? What if you would have stopped right here and said, God, I can't do this no more? Or God, may, may you open up a door and you allow these things to come in. I'm going to show you right now. This is what the Holy Spirit showed me. 
on how to overcome some of this stuff, how to discern some of this stuff, how to stay focused. How many of y'all know about horse racing, horse racing? A little bit, huh? I was praying about this, and the Lord showed me. I said, Lord, okay, now you revealed what you deal with. Now I want to know how to overcome it. And he showed me something in horse racing. Horses can be very stubborn, can be very emotional. So in a horse race, they have to wear something specific. It's called a headgear, okay? And that headgear has a specific purpose for why the horse is running the race, all right? So I'm going to give you four way, four things right here on how to discern and overcome. So first, we got to go back to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. Y'all okay? Y'all good? All right. Verse 2 says this. And the Amplified, it says, Looking away from all that will distract you, focusing. And the New King James, it says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So the first thing that you need to do to overcome and understand discerning what is happening, what the enemy is trying to do, is this right here. Looking unto Jesus or fixing your eyes on Jesus. And why is that important? Because if you're not fixing your eyes on Jesus, you're going to be fixing your eyes on something else. And the longer you fix your eyes on something else, the more that it's going to entertain your flesh or your spirit. If you're entertained, if you're fixed on Jesus, guess what it's going to do? It's going to move you spiritually. If you're in it, if you're fixed, if your eyes are fixed on earthly things, guess what it's going to do? It's going to entertain and move you in, uh, in your natural flesh. Well, no, well, how do I know that? Because when Abraham and, and uh, Lot were beginning to separate, and Abraham said, hey, I will let you choose whatever you want to do. I will let you choose whatever, wherever you want to go. And it says that when he saw the land, when he saw the land, how pretty, how luxurious, how, what, how, how nice it was for his animals, it says that he looked through the lust of the eyes and he said, that's the way I want to go. And this is what I'm trying to warn you of this morning, that if you look at it long enough, you're not going to go from living next to Sodom, you're going to go living in Sodom. See, it says that he set his tent up close to it. Next thing we know in the passage, it says that he was living in it. Even to the point that he was willing to give his virgin daughters away so they can be raped, molested, and murdered. Do you understand what the enemy is trying to do? Do you understand what distractions will do to you? Because if your eyes are fixed on the one who paid the price, it doesn't matter what happens. The problem is our eyes don't get fixed on him. They're only there when we feel like they should be. Second thing, in a horse race, you need a jockey on the horse. So I just want to let y'all know, y'all are all horses right now. Every one of y'all. And y'all in a race. And it's called the race of life, the race of Christianity, the walk with God. 
And in that race, you need a jockey. And your jockey has just become, if you've accepted Jesus Christ, his name is the Holy Spirit. So now you've got the Holy Spirit riding you, and he's trying to direct you. And the rider is the one that is supposed to control all the things that happen to the horse. But because we're stubborn and we want to do things in our own way or in our own might, we want to lead the Holy Spirit instead of allowing Him to let us to, to lead us into the way we need to run. So the second thing is the Holy Spirit. Third thing is on that headgear, they got a thing called blinders. Blinders. Now listen what the blinders do. Blinders are a device worn by a horse on his head to keep his mind on the race. If a horse has a habit of looking around while running, it says he will lose speed. See, we got the Holy Ghost on top of us right now, and we're trying to run this race. But as we're running, if you don't have blinders on you, you get distracted by all the other things in the race. It says that they're there to keep his face focused straight on the race that is set before him. Because as you're running, guess what's coming at you? A gold nugget here. As you're running here, a, a, a beautiful woman or man's over there, over there trying to distract you. You're running your race and the enemy's saying, nobody's watching you watch pornography right now. Nobody's watching you drink a drink right now. Nobody's watching you smoke cigarettes or whatever vice you may be dealing with. Nobody's, but if, if you, if you continue to miss what the race is before you because you're looking around, guess what you're going to do? You're going to slow down. You're going to slow down enough and you're going to lose track of Jesus. Jesus is the one that we're following. But as you get distracted, you begin to lose focus on Jesus. And the Holy Spirit's trying to say, no, we need to do this. And you're like, no, I could do it my way. I've never known a Christian to be able to do it their way. They don't make it. They won't make it. But as you're running, keep the blinders on. Keep your eyes, your mind, your mind focused on the race. How do you keep your mind focused on a race? Go back to the first passage, sitting at the feet of Jesus. Because when all of a sudden things happen and you see these distractions, you begin to understand that it's a distraction and not what God wants you to do. I started off with the good things. Right now I'm talking about the bad things. But the, bad, the good things can be just as a distracting, distracting as the bad things. But if you're not discerning that, guess what you're doing? You're being manipulated into getting off the race course. Third thing that a horse needs is a bit. This is where most of us will really begin to buck and throw the Holy Spirit off. Because while you're any, if you've ridden a horse, you know that bit. But that bit is the thing that saves your life, right? Me and Shay was on a, um when we first moved to Texas. She likes to ride horses for some ungodly reason, I don't know why. <laughs> so for our anniversary, I said, I surprised her. I called up a place you can go rent a horse. 
and uh, they take you on our, our horse ride. So we got on this horse, and the lady's like, okay, just stay here. I'm going to go get on mine, and I'll be right back, and we'll go down the trail. Well, I'm sitting on a horse, and all of a sudden, a llama jumps the fence behind it and spooks it. So guess what that horse does? Tail down and takes off. Without that bit in the mouth, without having that bit in the mouth, there was no controlling that horse. There was no stopping that horse. I'm trying to tell you this morning that the Holy Spirit tries to stop you from doing things, but you don't yield to the pulling back of the Holy Spirit because you think your way is better or you think nobody else is seeing you because you've been distracted by the things that the enemy's been throwing at you. And that horse took off, and we're in a pen about this big, and all while I seen was barbed wire fence. So you know what I did? The only two things that I knew what to do with the horse. Whoa! And I pulled that horse back so hard, I thought we was going to flip. But you know what it did? It stopped. See, sometimes you don't stop because when the pulling when the pulling begins to get too hard, you begin to shrug a little bit and you begin to knock the person pulling you off. See, the Holy Spirit is not there to, to hurt you or bring you into a place that, that's, that, that you don't want to go. He's there to protect you and guide you and let you keep the pace that you need to keep. In the horse race, when they're running, they, all these horses are combined. Why are they combined? Because certain horses do certain things at different times. The Holy Spirit is there to guide you as you're running your race. And there's going to be times when the Holy Spirit says, okay, now let's run. There's going to be times where the Holy Spirit says, hold on, we got to wait a minute. Hold on, they got some things coming up. You don't know what's coming around the corner, but I've already known what's coming around the corner, and I'm trying to protect you and guide you because you don't see it. And because we begin to buck the Holy Spirit, we run into a buzzsaw. And that buzzsaw may be the last time that you breathe. That buzzsaw that comes may be the last thing that breaks you of your walk with Christ. That buzzsaw that's coming may be the thing that is trying to destroy the legacy and the seed that God has placed on the inside of you. That buzzsaw is the thing that is trying to remove you from the will of God. I want to tell you this morning, don't be distracted by the things going on around you because if you get distracted by the things going on around you, you lose focus over the one who paid the price so you don't have to be distracted. I started it out with what did Martha get distracted by? It was a good thing. But Mary chose, chose the thing, and it says the thing was needed, and it's not going to be taken away from her. Jesus isn't going to reject you when you, ta- when, it, when, when you sit at his feet. Jesus is not going to say, no, I don't want to spend time with you. Jesus is the one that wants to spend time with you. But in our humanity, in, our way, in the ways that we walk in flesh, we can be so easily distracted that we will miss what God is trying to do right now, right this second. We can't be distracted. I 
How many of y'all are distracted over what's going on in the world? How many of y'all are watching what's taking place in America? When was the last time that you sought the Lord with all your heart? When's the last time that you sat at the feet of Jesus? And I'm going to be closing here. When was the last time that you really pursued Him? Listen, the things that are going on in the world, I'm not a prophet, but it's not going to get better. It's not. The glorious part is, is that we have one that we can look to and we can lean on. And we can hold on to him. And through that, we can walk it out. But in the meantime, there's going to be a whole bunch of distractions going on in your life. It could be good things or it could be sin. This morning, I believe Jesus is trying to deal with you this morning on some of the distracting things that have happened in your life. Some of the things are, are your own cause. See, we, we don't know what happened... What else happened with Martha after that? Did she, did she get right at that moment and say, hey, you know what? This other things can wait. But he's saying something right now that I need to hear. Maybe God's trying to speak to you this morning so that you can tell the person who aren't walking with God, hey, it's, we don't have to fear because our hope is eternal. Our glory is eternal. This is just a passing by moment. Sin leads to death. Christ leads to eternal life. What if God's trying to speak to you right now, but you haven't sat there long enough to hear Him, what He's got to say? If I wouldn't have been listening, guess what? I would have missed an opportunity to encourage, to edify, to give something to somebody. Maybe, I don't know if she's been dealing with it or not. Maybe she's been struggling. Maybe she's been struggling with, with uh, um, believing as she can. And if the enemy has done that to you, we rebuke that in Jesus' name. But we don't know if we're not sitting there listening. We can't be distracted in this hour. This isn't the hour to be distracted. This is the hour to sit before the Lord Jesus Christ and call on His name and knock and knock. Every morning, every day, every second that I can, I knock at the, whole, at the door of heaven and I say, Jesus, I need a word from you for a church. I need a word for a person. I need a word for my family. I need a word, but I can't do it if I'm distracted. I can't do it if I'm not letting the Holy Spirit bring me to that place. I can't do it if, I, if my eyes are completely moved by everything going on around me. But this is where it starts. Maybe, maybe you haven't gotten in the race yet. Listen, if you're not saved, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're not having distractions come upon you. He's already got you. I'm talking about people who are rooted in Christ, who know Jesus Christ. There's distractions. But it starts with knowing Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Without that, you will not see Him. Without Jesus Christ, you're not going to enter into eternal life. Sin will take you to death. Jesus is going to give you eternal life. 
See, it started for me in 2005. Three weeks before Hurricane Katrina is when I gave my life to the Lord. It was the greatest decision I ever made, and I've never forgotten that decision. But my life became something that I never thought it would be because I walked into a 2 Corinthians 5.17 experience. It says, in Christ Jesus, I have become a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. And since that moment, the enemy has been trying to destroy everything that God did for me through me. He's thrown things at me. Some I have failed. Most I have victory over. I have, I have missed it at times. And I've dusted my knees off. And I've repented. And said, Lord, I forgive me for being angry. Forgive me for neglecting the things that was most important sitting at your feet. Forgive me, God, for, for not doing what you're asking me to do. But I'm going forward because my eyes are fixed on Jesus. They're not moving. Things can come. Things can go. It doesn't matter. This, I'm taking step by step, day by day, and my eyes are fixed on the one. The one whose eyes blaze with fire. The one who, whose eye, whose hair is as white as wool. The one who's not coming back as a lamb. He's coming back as a lion. And he's not coming back to save you at that moment when he comes back. He's coming back to judge you and destroy you. Right now is the time for salvation. When he comes on his horse, he's not coming as the one that we know right now. He's coming with one with one agenda, and it's to destroy hell and whoever walks with him. Right now is the time that I can bow before my knees right now and say, Jesus, I need you. Lord, my heart is broken for you. You may not even know how to pray. You may not even know how to call out. I didn't know how to call out. My wife told me, she said, all you got to do is ask him in your heart. I said, how do you do that? She said, just like you were talking. And I said, Jesus, I need you in my heart. And immediately I sobered up. She came home from a Bible study. And I was completely loaded. Completely loaded. And I said a prayer and I immediately sobered up. Woke up the next morning, my wife says this. She says, you remember what you did last night? I'm like, yeah. So, but I'm not going to do all of it. I'll do some of it. So, I'm going to continue to drink because I like to drink. The very next day, the desires went away. See, when you come into an experience and encounter with Jesus, He removes those desires. The enemy tries to tempt you with those desires by throwing things in front of you. But if your eyes are fixed, it doesn't matter. I got a good friend, a friend of mine here that I've grown up with. He knows all the old stories. We was together on a lot of them. But now he gets to know this dude. And he can tell you some of the things we did. But it doesn't matter when Jesus Christ comes on the picture. He removes it. I love you, dude. So maybe you're in this place and you need to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Today is the day. Today is the day to make it right. Because we're not promised tomorrow. We're not even promised we don't get a missile coming across our nose in a, in a couple days. We don't know what's going to go on. But all we know is the price has been paid. Eternal salvation is gifted. 
through him. And I want to take this moment right now. If you need to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want you to come right now. I'm going to pray with you. I want to pray with you. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, come now. Don't wait.